Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, one of the fastest growing movie podcasts in the world, where we discuss all things film. On this episode, we discuss The Green Knight, written and directed by David Lowry. What is up, movie friends? Welcome back to the show. This is Anthony. And this is James. And we just saw The Green Knight on Friday night and had a blast checking it out. It was such a phenomenal film. We had to do a bonus review on it. It's a pretty wild movie. It's based on an ancient uh, King Arthurian myth and a poem, which even uh, J.R.R. Tolkien adapted into a short story. But uh, David Lowry, Lowry, the director, fantastic director. He made a ghost story. He made Pete's Dragon. Um, Ain't, Ain't the, the Body Saints, Saints Jinx with uh, Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara. Great movie if you haven't seen it. So super talented director, and he took a spin on this on this classic tale and brought about his surrealism, his rate, his great use of metaphors in his storytelling, and he really made it something of his own in this. Yeah, a ghost story was a surprise movie for me when I saw it like five or six years ago for the first time. I've actually seen it two or three times because it just blew me away with the storytelling and the pacing and like the hypnotic dreamlike nature of the film. I think it's a hidden gem and I don't think if, I, if you haven't seen a ghost story, um, check it out as soon as you can. Put it on your watch list. It stars Rooney Mara and Casey Affleck and it tells a great story about grief and loss. But when I saw that, I was like, who is this director? Because I kind of went into it so blind and now, every time Larry comes out of the movie, I'm just so incredibly intrigued, not to mention that he's working with A24 on this film. Yeah, and even Pete's Dragon is one of my favorite kids' movies of the of the last 10 years. It's really great, super underrated. And he seems to have this really great um, style that he developed on A Ghost Story because Anthem Body Saints was very Terrence Malick-esque. Yeah. A very handheld and um, kind of like freewheeling camera work, whereas A Ghost Story and this film, The Green Knight, he seems to have tapped into what his... Uh, artistic vision truly is i think you when you make a few movies you finally kind of spearhead and uh figure out what you how you like to film and i think he's reached that point in his career and with this film i think this film in a ghost story he seems to be really uh interested in exploring death and life and the idea of spirituality the idea of existence uh, of if it's infinite if it ends or not and this film explores those very heavy themes in like a great medieval-esque story that you typically see as this kind of story you think it's going to be about this great extravagant hero who's going to, he's a strapping young lad, he's going to go on an adventure and, and slay the dragon. He's got this big axe. Yeah, he's going to save the princess and he's going to be king, but that is not at all what this movie is, and that's why I found it so refreshing. Yeah, it's not a perfect film. It's at 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. Critics score 54% Rotten Tomatoes. Audience score really? is really low. 7.6 on IMDb. I think the problem with a lot of people when they watch films like this is obviously we're living in the climate of Marvel and Star Wars, and boom, 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 you want action, you want fast-paced adventures. This is a, a very slow-paced film, just like a ghost story. Even Ain't Them By Sates is a slow-paced movie. It's beautiful. Every shot of it is a piece of art, and the cinematography is fantastic. The colors, the the wardrobe, the sets, every every bit of this film is meticulous, incredible detail, and and just so purposed in what they were doing. And it's impressive because you can tell they didn't ha- they they didn't have much money to work with. A twenty four always their movies always have pretty small budgets, and so this budget couldn't have been more than twenty mil. I would guess it's somewhere between. 15 and 20 mil, and they really made it look a lot bigger than it was with the filmmaking. And I think what a lot of people don't wouldn't understand about this movie is, like I mentioned earlier, it's not a hero story. 
people might want to walk into this thinking it's a hero story, but it's not. It's actually about a very flawed character who maybe isn't where who he's supposed to be. And Dev Patel gives a really terrific performance. He's a super underrated actor. I don't think many people have, have him on his radar as being a great actor, but I think he's top-notch and a first-class actor. He gives a phenomenal performance. Yeah, it's not a hero's story, but it's you can say it's a hero's journey in a way. It's, mm-hmm. it's a hero's journey on his way to try to find honor, but not just honor, but to become a, a good person in a night. But like you said, his flaws are... His, biggest weaknesses and although he's kind of set with these tasks and like he's on a a knight's quest which is so fun to see like a knight go on one of their quests which helps them become a knight we never really see that too often in film so it's a really fun thing to to watch play out but then watch as this knight like we said he's a very flawed individual he achieves and succeeds at many tasks but not without making mistakes along the way i would say he doesn't succeed at tasks well he does i would say i would say that he fails at his tasks not every task i would say i would i would argue that but we don't want to spoil it right yeah. now we're we're, we're going to we're going this is going to be a spoiler free for like the first 5 minutes and then we'll get get into it but um the, the premise of the movie is that there's this knight he's he's the net he, not a knight he's the nephew of king arthur and he wants to be a part of the knights of the round table and an opportunity arises in which this some kind of mythical being this who's called the Green Knight, and it's this this really large man who seems to be made of wood and earth, and he he strives in, strides strides into the castle, and he uh, offers someone the opportunity to join him in a game, and the game entails that if someone dares, they can strike a blow on him as hard as they can, and in one year time, the Green Knight will return the blow, and this is an opportunity that. Seems like it's a very questionable thing to do and kind of a, a suicide type of conquest to, to try and undertake. But Dev Patel's character, Gaiwan, he really wants to prove himself to not only the king, but to the other knights that he is worthy of being a knight. So he accepts the challenge. And that's the premise of the movie. Yeah, and pretty much the trailer does a really good job just setting up that story without showing you really much of the journey at all. Mm-hmm. And and kind of just shows you later on when he reaches the Green Knight at some point. But I think they did a terrific job enticing people with the trailer because we went and saw it. It was a packed theater. It was We saw it Friday night, and this movie made $7 million for the kind of film that it is. That's a lot. And it was really great to, to be in a theater full of people experiencing a movie like this. Yeah, it was great. And see, people seem to be reacting at the right things. And this movie, like, I think everyone who walked into that theater knew what they were getting into for the most part. I hope they did. If they're their opening night, except the people next to me, they were texting a couple of times with their phone. And I was like, what are you even doing But I think people understand generally, if you're going to go see an A24 movie, you're kind of going to have a mind F at some point. Yeah, and this movie is very strange. It's very weird, and it's very confusing at times. And it's uh, there's a lot to it in terms of making you think. It's not a movie that you can just shut your brain off. You have to really pay attention and 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 try to understand what's happening and what David Lowry is showing on screen, why he's showing things and why uh, Gawain is doing certain things and why he's interacting with certain situations and everything has meaning in this movie and it's a it's a dense film that probably will take a few few movie a few viewings to fully appreciate completely. Yeah, it's like a giant dream but also a trip at the same time like you're hallucinating on mushrooms or something like that which actually is something spoiler I think now we'll get into spoilers. Yeah, let's get into it. It's something that technically does happen in this film. You could say that he does take mushrooms and, and trip out at one point. Yeah, he take he eats those mushrooms and then he sees the green knight in the, the distance. So, yeah, 100%. So basically Dev Patel plays this character this like you said he's not a knight yet but he's of royal blood. He's the nephew of King Arthur. And he's kind of lost in his ways. He's just 
kind of lives his days out for pleasures and he's at the brothels with the woman there and he's got that one Essel, Essel his the one woman he he fancies the most and he's an alcohol he's a drunk he's always drunk and walking around the castle and always has to sneak into his quarters at that in the middle of the night he doesn't seem to have any nightly qualities which yeah. is a problem because nights they ha- they have to live by chastity um, and honor and complete uh, utmost faith like he's out at the brothel getting drunk on Christmas Eve so that's a, sh- a sign that he isn't he doesn't think that faith is important in his life so I think that it's uh, his character is extremely flawed and he seems to be even though he's born into royal blood he doesn't deserve to be a knight in any way not and yet not yet and he's also never had an adventure with the which the king and queen uh, remind him that he doesn't have any stories to tell because he hasn't had a chance to create a story of his own yeah and this movie is going to set that story up but also we meet his mother who we learn pretty quickly um it's subtle but she doesn't approve of his behavior she's not she wasn't happy that he was gone on christmas eve getting drunk in a brothel um and we also learn that she's a witch and practices witchcraft and she is actually the one who summons the green knight in the in the at the night at the round table she what happens is her and two other witches they enter that that temple and they perform some kind of spell spell or seance or whatever and she writes the the note which um describes the rules of the game and that note burns in midair and then next moment the green knight bursts into the round table room and enters so she's the one who summoned the green knight and the reason for this we'll eventually learn is this entire thing is something that i think she set up to as a test for her son to first of all go on an adventure and earn the right to be king because he is next in line to be king but then also i don't think that she believes that her son is an honorable man who deserves to be king or deserves to be a knight and so she needs to put him on this quest to earn those that privilege and change his ways so that he can become an honorable person yeah and she basically is the character of morgan lefay from the the poem the original poem the per, that's the character who sets these events in motion and so she sets these events in motions in the film as well she just happens to be the mother i think that was adapted by lowry as that is the mike lowry mike michael lowry as mike the lowry. character that you know creates the the action going on and so basically you could argue how far would a mother go to bring direction to her son's life because like we said he has no direction he talks about wanting to be a knight but he doesn't want to yet. He's, he's kind of afraid to take those leaps. He's afraid to go on that adventure. He's afraid to embrace honor and courage and, and the knightly qualities that we're talking about. But the entire film and the journey he's set on is basically a, just a quest set by his mother to obtain not just honor, but other knightly qualities like courage. But also, I think that because he was he was raised with such privilege, he seems like a spoiled kid. Yeah. And he seems like he, he was definitely a spoiled brat because... He doesn't care much about anything. He's a very selfish person. And so he doesn't he doesn't have any of the qualities that a knight should have or a king should have. And so he needs to develop those. And what happens is, um, and what I really love about the filmmaking in this real quick is when you watch this movie, there's a lot of symbolism in terms of the, the production design of the sets. And so uh, the crown of the king and queen, it has that circle emblem, like this ring on the back of the crown like a halo yeah like a halo and then when you're you're in the kingdom like all the wind there's lots of circles in the area and then when you're you're in that temple of the witches there are triangles in the windows and there are triangle flames and now these have certain meanings so a circle is it represents the symbol of eternity and never-ending existence and it also represents the notions of wholeness uh, perfection the self infinite and timelessness and so 
whereas and so you could say that the the circle represents the purity of the kingdom of honor of all the godly qualities that one would need to become a proper leader and ruler whereas the triangle represents manifestation enlightenment revelation and higher perspective which represents the mother trying to bring enlightenment to her son to change him into the man that he has the potential to be and so the symbolism in the movie is right front and center in the production design. They did a fantastic job with it. Yeah, but the characters as well are fantastic, especially I love the relationship between Garwin and Essel, where Essel, again, she's of a lower class, and she wants to be his lady. You know, she before he departs on his mission or his quest to fulfill the agreement that he got into with the pact with the Green Knight, she asks, basically, can I be your lady? But he just responds with 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 uh, silence, which is more than enough that he has to say. And the it, thing with, with Gawain as well is I feel like he showed immense arrogance when he took up the contract with the Green Knight. And the deal was you land a blow on me and I'll land a blow on you in one year's time. And he arrogantly, I think, chops his head off. Whereas I think for him, it like would be a tremendous story. I'll be a knight after this. People will talk about me. He even yeah. says the line like, remember what happened on this Christmas day? Yeah. And never forget it. And he chops his head off. Whereas all you had to do was land a blow on his arm or anything else. And he would have returned the same exact blow. But instead, he arrogantly chops his freaking head off. So now he has to get his head chopped off. Yeah, chopped so off. it was a suicide thing that he did. He was, he was pretty much saying, giving permission to kill him. And the thing is, I, I believe that the proper way a knight would have handled that, or like a real knight would have handled that, would be to not behead the person, but to do something else to reject the challenge once they bent the knee. Because the Green Knight, we think it's going to be this epic fight between mm -hmm. the two. He says this is like a challenge in his game, but then he literally drops his act and bends, dra drops his axe and then gets to his knee and holds his neck out to be chopped off, as, if, as in allowing Garwin to do that. And so... It's, it's set up that it's a test for Gaiwin, and he fails it essentially by beheading him. He set himself up to eventually have the destiny of being beheaded himself. Out, like you said, out of his arrogance for wanting the glory of beheading this mythical knight, the stories that people will sing about me will be um, tremendous. And he was not even understanding the repercussions of his action by beheading the knight. Yeah, and Lowry even does a great job showing the culture of that story with that spinning wheel and like the puppet mm. show. And at first, it's like it's glorious. He he's chops famous. off this this, yeah. this green knight and this monster, and he's a hero. But then later on, while he's on his quest, they show that he himself gets his head chopped off by the puppet. Exactly. And Gawain, at this point, like you said, he rejects Essel when she asks him to be partners. He rejects her because she's not noble she's she's a, a um she works in a brothel and she comes she's a, a peasant essentially and he's of noble noble blood and it shows his character this horrible characteristic of of being just like a, a greedy power hungry person where if he's going to marry someone it has to be someone of noble blood or someone of royalty like he does later on in the film when he marries a queen of another land because even though he clearly loves Essel, you can tell they love each other, but he's rejecting that love because she doesn't. he doesn't think that she belongs in his circle. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So he has really poor characteristics. Yeah, and he, you can tell how afraid he is when it starts to come up on Christmas a year later and he has to set out on his quest. And he's Well, been... in terms of fear, I'm sorry. I The whole movie, fear is his... Fear of death, I think, is the major theme of the movie. And the, knight the Green Knight represents death. And so... Gawain has his biggest fear is of dying hence that's the represented in the form of the Green Knight yeah and so that's something that he has to brace at the end of the story and so he goes out on his quest and he's basically faced with what is it five challenges four challenges yeah five yeah and 
the interesting thing about it is when you watch closely, you really understand that it's all his mother's influence on each of these challenges. And she's kind of behind each one, you could tell. And the first one is when he basically gets tricked by that young peasant boy at that end of the at that battle scene. And he ends up he ends up getting robbed and tied up to that tree, which is his first task of trying to basically, you could say, escape you. you with some- no, the test was generosity, an act of kindness. Remember oh, the so chapter? He only, gives, he only gives enough. So, well, first of all, he doesn't give anything. And the, the, scav- so the scavenger points him in the right direction. And it's his act of, first of all, not offering to pay, just saying my thanks is enough. And then after the, the scavenger begs him, then he gives him just one coin, which still isn't even close to enough. enough. Twenty enough, <laughs> and so that's the test. The fail, the failing of the act of kindness, which is the with the title card that starts that chapter. It's like the it's a generosity test. Whereas he's showing that he's not a generous person; he's a very selfish person, and that's why. And also, he he doesn't seem like he should be a knight because he's easily overpowered by those two people who seem to be untrained. They seem to be peasants as well, but they clearly overpower him very quickly just at knife knife point. And if he was really worthy of being a real knight, he could have defended himself, whereas instead he cowered and then was shaking from fear of dying by their hand. Yes, but he does eventually escape. So you could say at some point he does succeed at the test te- like somewhat while losing the, lo- I mean, succumbing to his flaws. I would just argue that that, that escaping wasn't the test at all. Yeah. I would say, no, you're, the, I think you're right. The generosity was the test. You're definitely right. And then and that he, was the the repercussion of his failure. Yeah. But then his next test is when he stumbles across that young woman in the abandoned house who we can't tell is a ghost or a spirit or not and she asks him to uh, um get her get her head out of the bottom of the spring which a man after killing her and beheading her tossed in there. He wants her him to go and grab it for him, but Instead of being a noble knight and just going in to get it without any further questions, he asks, what will I get in return, which was a failure. Yeah, and this is a test of chivalry, you could say, um, of wanting something in return for this favor, whereas, like you said, a noble knight would have done it without question. And so at first he fails the test, but then he eventually grabs the skull at the bottom of the pond, brings it back, and then as a reward for completing that task, uh, his mother essentially rewards him by returning the axe to him inside of the house because it appears in the house. So he succeeds, but he is again he fails flawed. at first. He flaws, yeah. so yeah. it's a flawed success. And he kind of does it because he feels like, what else do I have to do, I yeah. think. And then the next, basically, challenge that he has to do on his quest is he comes across that castle where Joel Edgerton's character is the lord of, and then also a woman who looks just like Essel, but is not Essel, is the lady of the land or the lady of the castle. And basically what his mother's doing is she used the likeness of Essel to tempt her son with this noble social class status woman who is comparable to him that he could have a relationship with. And so she tests him with chastity, you could say. Mm-hmm. And she's even watching. There's that old lady with the long pigtails in the in the, uh, in the the home, and she's co- constantly wearing that blindfold. And if you remember, the, his mother wore that blindfold when she performed the spell. So she's probably watching him through that woman. You can which, tell because she rubs her, yeah, his face with her hand. With a motherly hand, which, which you think is just like some crazy weird old lady at first. But then you realize, oh, that's his mother moving, uh, like using that body as like a, a surrogate to interact with her yeah. son, even though he doesn't know it. And and um, once again, he fails this test by giving into his sexual desires. And also, it, it's I think that... the. He, he used Essel's likeness 
I mean, she used Essel's likeness for this woman. And also, you could say the woman's probably a witch as well because she seems excited about witchcraft when she asks, asks him, do you believe in witchcraft? And so, and because he responds, yes, I think that witchcraft is all around us, then you can understand that witchcraft is being used throughout this entire story with, from beginning to end. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, so he does feel they don't have sex, but he, she does, you know, toss a salad <laughs> on top of the, <laughs> the, the sacred belt that her mother, his mother sewed for him. Uh-huh. And so he, he technically doesn't sleep with her, but he does pass this test, you could say, with a major flaw. I don't think he passed it at all, you, I would say, because probably, she's married. Okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So she he, failed the test. Yeah. And then the next test, you could argue, is probably has to do with the fox. Because the fox, he eventually, when the fox tries to save him, he denounces the fox and, and attacks it to try and get it to run away. And this is, could be a test of friendship and loyalty in terms of the fox beca- becoming a friend of his, but then him rejecting the fox and um, becoming disloyal to it. I I interpreted that the fox was his mother. I don't think the fox was the mother. I would say the the fox could represent um, probably the potential he has because the fox seems to. Well, actually, so there's another. But the te- fox tries to stop him, but he keeps going. So you could say yeah. it's an obstacle that he does pass. Yeah. Well, I you could say that, and also the fox did stop him from taking the easy route because when when the giants show up and the giants of the land, they seem to be on this like uh, trek across the land. And Gawain asks one of the giants, can I jump on your shoulder and take a ride up north? Like taking the easy route. Like I don't want to, I want to make this as easy as possible. Very unknightly of him to, to ask. And then the, the, the fox, I think, kind of like tells him like, go away. Uh, he needs to do this on his own. So you could say it, it could be the fox. I think, I think the fox is his mother. Protecting and, him. And then it's, it's up to him to then when the fox is trying to stop him from getting into the boat to go see the green knight to... Uh-huh. Say that no, I'm going to go face the Green Knight. So get away from me. Yeah, got. It. Uh, yeah, I think so. You're right. You could say that maybe he's the only task that he fully passes on his own. Yeah, you could without say without a flaw. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, I didn't think about that. And then the final task in task is to meet the Green Knight for his death, which he does at first. He does approach the Green Knight, and he has to wait for the Green Knight to wake up on Christmas morning for him to receive the exact blow. But Garwin is very afraid of his death, and so he has that tremendous vision of his future of if he. Ran away from his fate of be, of being beheaded in the the game. You could say that he was enacted that he is in with the Green Knight, and we have this amazing f- flash of a life of him being king. But he's he's plagued basically with the guilt and of of running away from the Green Knight, not accepting his fate, the not dishonor, bringing honor, and also just Lying. living a lie. Yeah, he's living a lie now because everyone thinks that he defeated the knight. You could say, yeah, and so you in this throughout this entire sequence of him living decades and having uh, having children and marrying the other the princess, and, and he takes uh, Essel's Essel and his son away yeah. and just gives leaves her some money and so and she'll never be his mother. So she takes a child away from his mother. Yeah, so he gets everything he wants, but he's never happy. Because he's living a life of dishonor and, like you said, living a lie. And that, and you can say that has poisoned him, his mind and cursed him in a way of... And because he has not grown... He, he hasn't achieved what his mother wanted him to achieve with this path where he didn't learn from his mistakes that he made and he, he still fears death above everything and will do anything to avoid death. And because he never matured and understood the mistakes of his life and how he, he should have changed if he wanted to become a good king. He he would he essentially became like if Dudley Dursley became a king. Yeah. Just a bad king, a horrible ruler, a bad husband. Brought death to his entire people. Yeah, there's no love in his life. He doesn't love his wife he eventually marries. And so uh, because he never 
I think the ultimate challenge was accepting death and eliminating his fear of it. Because he failed that, that was a precursor to him never ever changing into the person he should have become. And also, when he does accept his fate after having this vision, what he does is he takes off that belt that his mother gave him. Because the belt, she says, is magical protection, so no harm can come of you. And that's why he, st he still has it on when he escapes and runs away from the Green Knight. But he knows that eventually, after having that life flash before his eyes, that if I keep this belt on, it's cheating. So I, I, I can't cheat and do this. I have to take this off and face this, and I finally will face my fears, and then the Green Knight, he says, I'm ready. And that's when the Green Knight says, you you brave you brave uh, knight, he calls him a knight, and you could say that that's his mother speaking through the knight to yeah. him. Yeah, and then he says, off with your head, which I think is a joke. Yeah. I think what ends up happening is the knight spares him for passing the test, and then on his journey back, he will probably reflect upon the mistakes he made on the journey and change into uh, a, a good person, who will end up becoming a very good king? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Because he doesn't have the selfishness nature any selfish nature anymore. He doesn't have the guilt that he did in that that vision he had. He'll probably end up uh, marrying Essel and make and having a life with her, and she'll be his lady and his queen. And he'll probably have a much more happy and successful life as king and be a great king. Yeah, I think that's that's how I um, see the the ending. But I can, love how they kept it on. Or you can be, ending. or you can have a, a fun way, and he just gets his head chopped off. Yeah, right after they just didn't show <laughs> but it. But you, but you can argue that what would be the point of the whole entire task and journey if yeah, it was the, just to get your kid's head cut off if you're the mother? What's the point of the story? So it just really makes sense that he's gonna survive, and it was just all one test. We did a great job explaining that. Yeah, that was pretty that, solid. That was a great explanation. Yeah, I'm impressed with ourselves. Keep patting yourself on the back, guy. I'm patting you in the back too. Thanks, man. Thanks, appreciate it. But this movie was terrific. I had a I had a great time watching it. But again, I think I think a lot of people they can't handle the pacing of films like this because it is very slow at times. But that's the whole point. It's he's lulling you into this dreamlike state, and it's it's not for everybody. I think in today's world and today's audiences, especially like I said with the Marvel Star Wars culture and superheroes, and we need fast paced action. But I think it's truly a beautiful film. Yeah, I think it's a fantastic movie. It was so refreshing and very original. And I love period pieces and medieval with like the surrealist quality and like mythical magical stuff. Like yeah. such a great blend of genres. So much fun. It was also very refreshing to watch a film or a huge production with medieval elements and themes without dragons yeah no dragons. no dragons it was nice it was a nice change of pace <laughs> and hey there's a talking fox it's pretty cool yeah he's a cute fox <laughs> cute fox but i recommend this movie if you like movies that are uh very uh you have to think on them movies that challenge you movies that really stick with you and are not even not easy to watch but really you have to pay attention to them and you can get a lot out of this movie so if you like those kinds of films that really challenge you as an audience member this is right up your alley. I've been still thinking about it two days later. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Two days later. Great score too. Yeah. Fantastic music. It was a Daniel Hart, I think, did it? Mm -hmm. Really good job. Excellent job. All right. Well, thanks so much for tuning into this bonus episode of The Green Knight. Stay tuned for an episode coming to you tomorrow, every Monday and Thursday on Raiders of the Lost Podcast, all platforms. Thanks so much for tuning in. Take care. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a mirror image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.